it's time to smash it up on a Monday night. Nothing going on in Tallahassee or Tuscaloosa. Nothing at all. Good stuff. Good stuff. To good developments that we'll be talking about here shortly here on Warchant TV. Alongside Irish Rafael, the managing editor of Warchant.com. My name is Tom Lang. You are watching Monday Smash presented by State Farm agent Russ Voorhis. And I'm sure old fans and old fans like Russ Voorhis are very happy on a night like tonight because Ira, Florida State's got a linebacker. They're pulling players from the Crimson Tide left and right. It's almost like Mike Norvell just wanted to coach a lot of those players, but bring him with him to Tallahassee rather than coach them over there in Tuscaloosa. How are you this evening? I'm good, man. Yeah, that's five now. Five from Alabama. Uh, then you also got you know, guys from Georgia and LSU and Florida and Miami. Uh, Norvell's just it's it's not divide and conquer. It's he's just he's just taking what he wants. He's yeah. he's pillaging these teams. It's uh it's quite the list that Florida State has amassed, and we'll post that in a little bit. Uh, well into the double digits for Florida State in terms of what they've done in the transfer portal, what they've brought in. But Ira, since we convened last for the smash, so much has happened. I mean, it, it there's been a, an amazing amount of stuff where you know uh, one four alarm fire is replaced by another one, uh, but the bumpy turbulent times it would appear are, are behind us a little bit here as Mike Norvell he's in for the long term making a pretty penny doubling down on recruiting is uh part of the parameters that, that were whispered as to you know one of the things he wanted to get done with an extension here to stay at Florida State and then obviously Florida State doing more work in the portal as well so it's just it, it there's been a whole lot that's gone on it got bumpy there for a minute but between Monday smashes everything's okay again yeah more probably more than a minute um, you know, again, like Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, started hearing, uh, you know, a lot of concern over at Florida State that things might not work out uh, and that Mike Norvell might uh, really, I mean, he was definitely strongly considering the Alabama job. And um, at the end of the day, I think some people at FSU went to bed Thursday night thinking that they might have lost him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Friday morning, it worked out. They they came to terms. And um, and as you said, part of it's salary. He's obviously bumped up over $10 million a year on average, which is fantastic. Again, shows Florida State's commitment. will make him one of the top five um, highest paid coaches in college football. Uh, but also, like you said, it's that investment in resources in terms of uh, recruiting staff, uh, the things they're able to do. And, and it's going to cost Florida State a lot of money. But and, and if you're a donor, if you've got a booster rep, uh, don't be surprised if they call you reaching out for uh, asking you to commit as well because they've committed. So, um, but you know, man, it's great times, especially after what happened the last month. Yeah, you know, I I, I know that this probably wasn't liked by all Florida State fans or, or maybe at least a segment of them. But when this was all going down, I thought and I said out loud that you know this is a tremendous opportunity if you're Mike when. Nick Saban retires out of nowhere and Alabama's interested in you and you're on their short list, you know, whether or not he was number one or he was in the top two. I mean, he was on the short list. There's no doubt about that. Uh, national people reporting that as well as us locally saying that, you know, the negotiations, it sounded like it got dicey there for a minute. Uh, but all's well that ends well for Florida State, because I think in the end, Ira, with the concessions that Mike Norvell got, maybe you got to play uh, hardball with Florida State a little bit. The football program got better with what Mike Norvell is asking for and what ultimately Florida State conceded. It, it's Mike Norvell against Florida State in a moment, but I think once it all comes out the other side, that moment passes, it helps the football program because there's going to be more resources dedicated to the, uh, to the football program. 
Without question. And, and you know, look, I mean, there are going to be people that uh, cover Alabama or cover different teams that are going to say this guy was first on the list. That guy was first on the list. We'll never know for sure. And that's not really the way the agents work. Right. They they work kind of in the gray areas. But I again, if 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 Florida State, if if if, if he didn't have an offer, um, if he didn't feel like he could make the, the move to Alabama, then he and Jimmy Sexton went as far as possible you could go because I think they had Florida State convinced he was going to leave, or at least there was a strong chance he was going to leave. So I, I don't think – I think Florida State – I think if Mike Norvell wanted to be at Alabama, he could be at Alabama. Now, other people may say elsewhere, otherwise, but that's what I believe. And so he chose Florida State. So I don't. the reason I think it's important to clarify that is this wasn't a situation where he just held up Florida State to get more resources because we saw that happen time and time and time again when Jimbo Fisher was the head coach. And that's what coaches do. It's not only Jimbo Fisher. That's what all coaches do. But I really think Mike Norvell had a offer that he could have taken action on. He decided to stay. But it is because Florida State made sure he understood you're going to have everything you need right here. There's some risk if you go to Alabama. And really, any any job, as good of a job it is, every coach has not succeeded at Alabama. And so you could go there and struggle, or you could go there and, and win 10 games, and they may run you out of town. They've done that before at Alabama. Or you could stay here where you know what you've got, and we're going to give you these resources. Is that a better situation? And he chose Florida State. And again, I think that's important for people to understand. He chose to stay at Florida State, and I think it says a lot about him and also says a lot about the, the administration. Joel Davis, thank you very much for the contribution early on on the Monday Smash. Thank you. It's in Buccaneers Red, too. I love that. I love the Buccaneers Red contributions tonight, uh, as it's probably an ugly wild card game to come in about an hour. At one good one last night uh, between uh, Director uh, Ben's Detroit Lions and uh, and the LA Rams. But thank you, Joel. We very much appreciate it. Yeah, it, it does. It feels like positivity is is here, Ira, and, and it was. It got really, really dicey. Um, I think DJU signaled. I don't think it was because of DJU necessarily, but there was stability that happened on New Year's Day. Florida State announces some retentions. Uh, they get their quarterback, and then it got really bumpy again. And, and if you don't mind, as far as you can go comfortably without feeling like uh, you're betraying sources, uh, what were the kinds of things you were hearing in those conversations when maybe their heads on the pillow and and they're nervous that they're going to wake up on Friday and not have their head coach anymore. How dire did it sound to you or did it read to you in text messages or things like that? I mean, there were people on the staff that thought they were leaving for Tuscaloosa. Um, And there were people um, in the administration that were concerned that they were going to lose him. Um, Again, I, you know, and, and I don't think people at Florida state thought Kalen DeBoer was above Mike Norvell on the list. And I, and look, I mean, if you think about it realistically, Mike Norvell didn't pull his name out of the uh, of the running on Wednesday or Tuesday like Dan Lanning. He w- it, it was Kalen DeBoer didn't take the job until after Mike Norvell pulled his name out of the hat on Friday. So I think Mike Norvell it was his job to take it again. There are it's forty years later, and Bobby Bowden, Florida State fans will say Bobby Bowden could have gone to Alabama if he wanted to, and Alabama people will say he didn't get the offer or whatever. You know, I mean, so this will be debated. People on Twitter will tell you no, he didn't have an offer. Florida State was very, very, very concerned he was going to go. And and, and I think it's it's such a, a crucial point because the thing you just mentioned, think about these last two months, you know, and, and, you know, you get left out of the playoff, you, the portal didn't start off great. Then you do get DJ, but some other things are kind of working against you. And now you might lose Mike Norvell and then you get the NCAA sanctions came out. And so 
if you lost him at that point, I mean, any in any other situation, losing your head coach to Alabama after in replacing Nick Saban wouldn't be that big of a yeah. shocker. It wouldn't crush you. But because of what's happened these last two months, it would have crushed Florida State. And so I think they did what they had to do, man. They they and look, I don't you want to win in football. They want to win in football. The administration is committed. They've proven that over these last two years. They've this isn't the first new investment. They've been investing, investing, investing in football because they they want to win. They want to be in position to be successful whenever the reckoning happens, what conference they end up in, and all that. But if you took a, a hit like that now, and then you have to take a gamble on who, the, who your head coach is going to be and who knows how that's going to work out. It would have been just devastating. So I think they probably paid more than they would have um, or wanted to uh, not just paying Mike Norvell, but, but investing a little bit more than they maybe have the resources to, but they are pot committed. They put all their chips on the table. They want to ride with Mike Norvell. Well, it seems like Aaron, there's a piece on warchant.com that you can uh, catch on. Uh... Over the weekend, I released it talking with Peter Collins and getting some background, and nobody talks to Florida State's administrations, the movers and shakers more than our own Irish Rafael does. Uh, but this is a group that's been pot committed, Ira. I mean, when it comes to all things uh, in terms of Florida State football, making sure that they got back on the right track, uh, you know, obviously the re- reorganization of how booster money is distributed into the athletic department in the last handful of years, uh, you know, suing the ACC, that's still out there. That's still a thing. They've been very aggressive. That has been the hallmark of, you know, Michael Alford's tenure, of Peter Collins' tenure as the chairman of the board, the university in general, has been pretty aggressive. And I just, I wonder, do you think this sends a signal of Mike Norvell's belief? I know it's from one wing of the operation to the other, but Mike Norvell's belief that Florida State is on a path out of the ACC and into a bigger conference. Because it, it seems to me, that if that in the medium term was a doubt that you would have as a head coach, yeah, the salary is nice and the recruiting infrastructure is nice, but I want to know that we're never going to have to read a release that says so-called power anything anymore. Mm-hmm. If you know, I'm getting to the medium part of my extension, and you know, Florida State's not a lesser than or, or like a Group of Five conference. You'd like to believe so. I can't say for sure. Uh, you know, one thing I would say, and, and going back to the comment you were just saying before, you know, and from the article with Peter Collins, the board of trustees chair, uh, he had a line in there that I thought was pretty you know, important. He said, this is why we're doing what we're doing. And what he was talking about was the, the lawsuit with the ACC mm-hmm. and trying to get out of the conference or, Hey, if the ACC wants to come to Florida state and Clemson and North Carolina and say, Hey, you guys get the lion's share of the money, please stay. We want you to stay and we'll do uneven revenue sharing. Then maybe Florida state would stay in the ACC, but but Florida State is going to change this situation one way or another. And so to, to your point, I think that he must believe that. I, I at least think that Mike Norvell doesn't think they're stuck here for seven, eight years. I don't know whether he thinks they're out in a year or two years. Um, but, yeah, I don't think he thinks they're stuck. Because, again, man, I think he had the opportunity to go to Alabama if he wanted the, the job. And if you didn't think you had a future at Florida State – there's no way you, no matter there's no price they could give you to get you to stay. Well, and and again, there's just this feels like a decision that was made and it's in in one sense Ira, it's a head coach saying I'm staying at Florida State and I'm not going to Tuscaloosa. I'm not going to coach the Alabama Crimson Tide, but I just I feel like the decision ha- signals something larger. And I'm wondering because you've seen so many different administrations, different power structure of how again booster money was distributed to the athletic department. 
what has this organization been like to you the last few years compared to the entirety of the time you've covered Florida State? Because it, it feels like the actions that they're taking are the kind where the fan base is proud. And, and for a long time, the fan base was either split or not very proud of the way the administration was matching their actions to what we, you know, as Florida State fans believe the program should be. It just I'm wondering as an observer, and you've seen a lot of different, you know, methods, what, what you think of this particular method uh, out of Florida State and their power brokers? Yeah, I think the great thing is, and this isn't just me cheerleading them, the great thing is for them that they all have the same vision, right? From Peter Collins and the Board of Trustees, that whole Board of Trustees, they are locked in lockstep. If you watch those meetings when they have their, you know, take their shots at the ACC and all that, they are they act as one. That is a board that is unified to the president of the university, Richard McCullough. And, you know, somebody, I was talking to somebody over the weekend and they made the comment to me, yeah, he's a Harvard guy, but, you know, he worked at Harvard for a long time, but he loves sports. Like if you talk to him, he loves sports and he understands how important football is. When Eric Barron was the president, and I had a good relationship with Eric Barron, Eric Barron, I think, said on the record, he definitely said off the record. Uh, if it was off the record, sorry, uh, <laughs> President Barron, uh, statute of limitations run up. But he basically said he spent more time in athletics than sometimes that he did on academics, and he hated it. He resented it. Yeah. That's not what he wanted to be doing. He wanted to be running the university, but he knew how important it was. So he had it, but it was grudgingly. Now, so you've got a president that's aligned with the board. You have an athletic director in Michael Alford, who clearly every action he's taken since he's been athletic director is bigger, better, stronger, wants to compete at the highest levels. And then you have a head coach who's having success and is, is as motivated and focused as anybody. So you have all of them in lockstep. That's a great place to be. And that was one of the points somebody made to me about Mike Norvell staying. And, and it was the last quote in the article, actually, from Peter Collins was, you know, they're no matter where you go, even if it looks like the best job in the world, you're always going to wonder, is all of that going to be in the right order? And in Florida State, it is. Last thing I want to say on that, in years past, just to kind of give an example, it wasn't that some people didn't believe in football or some people didn't believe. It was just how the vision came together, you know? And so you'd have different presidents. You know, nobody cared more about football than T.K. Weatherall. Right. But, T but T.K. Weatherall, when he was president, had his own idea about how athletics should spend their money and how much money they should spend and, and decisions they should make. And then you got to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when, you know, when Barron was president and also when Wilcox was the AD or different people have been the athletic director, they might have, or when, you know, when, um, uh, Similar Boosters, uh, former chairman, was uh, – I'm trying to blank sorry, here. This is crazy. I'm not helping you. Andy, Andy Miller. When Andy Miller oh, was yeah, running yeah. Seminole – Andy Miller ran Seminole Boosters for 40-something years, long before Jimbo Fisher ever got here. So those two guys weren't perfectly aligned. So you just have a unique situation here where the Norvell was hired before some of these other people came in, but they are perfectly aligned with him, and it's all – it's all it's just in a great position. And so because of that, you're seeing things get done quicker. You see a bigger commitment. You don't have discussions about should we put more money to this? Should we put more money to that? They are all focused on the same thing. Yeah, that's true. A lot of times I over those years, uh, Jimbo, different uh, athletic directors or university presidents at the time. You heard whispers, and sometimes they were whispers. Sometimes they were outright shouts. You heard when you're over it more about the way things should be uh, from one perspective versus another. It does seem like this is an endorsement not only of perhaps the ACC fate, what where Florida State's going, but of the health of the organization, top to bottom. Where Mike Norvell says, "Yeah, this is 
This is the right. Uh, people see it the way I see it. And it's important when you're working with people to see the world the way you do. So those dominoes fall, you know, and Alabama uh, had a shocking week. Florida State had a scary week and, and it stabilized. But now, Ira, instead of worrying if Mike Norvell had left, how many of these portal kids are actually going to go to class here? Are they just going to turn around and go somewhere else? Now you can look at, by pairs here. And I'm going to pull up the list. It all started with Marvin Jones Jr. And, and we understand the legacy and, and the impact of what he can have at defensive end. But I'm just going to go up the list. And Ira, you're welcome to stop me at any point. It's almost like the price <laughs> is right if you see somebody that you want to talk about. But this is going to scroll up for a while. This is it. Can, I do want to stop on DJ, and I'm not going to stop on everybody, I promise. But <laughs> DJ is very significant to me in a way maybe that I didn't really even think about at the time. <clears throat> but the more I've talked about it and just done other interviews and the more I've thought about it, and then you look at Florida State's schedule next season, <clears throat> I, and you guys may have talked about it too. I, I don't catch uh, everything you guys say on Jeff's show. But <clears throat> he – man, I think they they go from a team that I thought – Man, with with Tate a quarterback or or whoever was a quarterback that anybody other than probably DJU, I thought you know look man if you win eight games you go eight and four you're probably in good shape that's at least and then you can make a run the next year but when you get DJ I think he's going to do really well and then you bring in the pieces they're bringing around them now man I think ten and two is is like yep. not the floor but man ten and two is not just realistic like, like that's what you should be at least if at least shooting for with the possibility of going higher. And I just want to single him out because I think he changes the math just because it's an experienced, very good college quarterback. Well, and it's exactly what you need to Ira, in terms of a bridge. You know, you've got some young players that you're very excited about, but the situation with Tate was uh, the moment that they started dipping into the portal and bringing in Cam Ward and DJ for interviews. And that seemed like it was going to be untenable. And I, and I do remember it feels like it was a year ago, but it was about three weeks ago. Ira. It was basically the eve of the Orange Bowl. And, you you know, it's all the opt outs and how bad is Florida State going to get killed in this game? And what does that do to your reputation? Uh, I remember part of the chat one day on the JCS was, well, how many wins do you think we're capable of right here, right now? So right. before I mean, before Marvin, before DJ. And we were discussing it, Ira, and I felt like seven or eight, but it's fluid. Hey. Eight would have been optimistic. You know, I mean, like eight, things have gone pretty good if, if you've gotten eight at that point, right? And it was just about, you know, well, don't count them out just yet because they do what they do in the portal. Let's see what they add. But as it stands right now, you're losing so much talent, you don't have answers. And here are the answers now. I mean, you know, there's here's one of the Alabama kids, the first one, Earl Little, to commit to Florida State. Likely going to be a starter in the secondary. We'll see. He's going to battle it out. Jalen Brown from LSU. Grady Kelly, which helps fortify the defensive line. is and Once they get those announcements out there, Ira, about a couple of important defensive tackles and retention, I think everybody can really, really believe that Florida State's rotation is going to be there in a crazy and, and good place like it was last year. But as I'm scrolling through these names, Ira, I get excited for spring because a lot of these guys, if not all of them, are going to be on campus in spring and battling for jobs. Last year's spring camp was about a lot of guys who came back and one more run at a playoff, one more run at an ACC championship, and you knew who most of the starters were going to be. This real, year, any one of these guys could be starters. Who do you want me to, to highlight? Uh, our guy from Oregon State, the defensive end. I'm not going to say his name. I'm going to promise I'm going to work on these names. I don't have them yet. Uh, Aslan even texted, texted us a uh, pronunciation for a guy here, and I don't have it in front of me, but um, he was like second team all Pac-12. Yeah. Like he came in that flurry of players, and I think he kind of got mixed – some of these guys, you know, you may say, okay, well, they play college football, but they weren't a star or whatever. 
I think this is a guy who who I think he's going to be make a much bigger impact. I believe than a, say a Gilbert Edmond did. I think he's going to be an impact player on that defense. Well, and and you see the different ways that Florida State can configure their defensive ends now because Ira, you got sturdy players like Durojaye from West Virginia, who is just underneath Lolo Hea. There we go. Big dude. I had to do these videos, so that's why I've got some practice with their names. Uh, but these are large players, exactly, You know, in the Kier Thomas mold more than, say, the Patrick Payton mold. And so now that you can throw big bodies at the problem, not just quick twitch guys like a Patrick Payton or, to a degree, Marvin Jones Jr., the variety is there. I, I don't know, Ira, that they've got the top-end talent the way they did uh, on the defensive line this past season when they went 13-0, and but they can throw numbers at the problem, and they can rotate a ton of dudes to keep guys fresh. I think that's what this defensive end core is going to be about. But again, I mean, you're looking, and, and here's the, the home stretch with a couple Alabama kids and Terrence Ferguson and Roydell Williams, Richie Leonard from Florida, another giant interior offensive lineman, and it's capped off at the moment. Who knows? Maybe in 10 minutes, Florida State will be hosting another Alabama player. But with Sean Murphy at linebacker, Ira, I just get so excited for spring camp because the turnover on this roster is huge in terms of snaps and experience. There are going to be guys battling in just about every position group, two and three deep. And, and Florida State, I think what's happening right now, Ira, on the fly, is that they're building that kind of depth that maybe they didn't, they didn't display in the Orange Bowl. But it looks like they're building reinforcements after reinforcements here. Yeah, and I, I like the mix of you You have some of those older guys, like you mentioned Grady, and you got some of these older guys that played a lot of college football it may be a lower level, um, but have had a lot of exp- a lot of success, and I think that follows the the pattern of you know the Braden Fisks and and, and the Kier Thomases and some of the guys that Kier Thomas played in the SEC, but but guys that weren't necessarily stars uh, or weren't necessarily five stars coming out of high school. They're guys that developed in college. They're older guys they can play. So you have a bunch of those guys in this group, but you also have a bunch of these really super highly talented young players that haven't proven it yet but you're really excited about Earl Little, uh, Marvin Jones Jr., some of those guys that um, you know were four or five stars coming out of high school and haven't played their best yet or haven't gotten the opportunities yet in college. So you kind of have this mix of Roydell Williams, I think, is the running back from Alabama, is a guy that's played a lot of football. Um, but then you also have some of these younger guys that, ha- that are super high talents. And uh, I think that's a good it's a it's a good mix, and it feels like a, uh, maybe a next step in the evolution of, of where of how they use the portal. Yeah, again, they're at uh, I think it's thirteen now, uh, but well into the double digits. Go ahead. It, it might be fourteen. Uh, it might 14. be fourteen. Thir- I think it might be four- it's fourteen now with this with Sean Murphy. So fourteen players now for Florida State, in addition to the high school hall. Like when you put them together, this is something that yeah. it's hard to do in the moment, especially on signing day. If maybe there's a decision that goes down to the wire, doesn't go to Florida State's way as happened this year on the 20th of December. But when you put those two groups of young men together, Ira, holy cow, like Florida State did serious work this offseason in terms of setting themselves up, like you're saying, with some players that are in there last year. Malik Benson's one of those. Right. Uh, but a, a bunch of younger guys, Jalen Brown is now walking in side-by-side side with Elijah Moore and other receivers for Florida State this class with the Charles Lester. Like, Man, this roster has – it's going to look very different. We're going to have to grab those roster sheets, the numerical sheets, just to sort through all the guys in the spring. But it gets really fun, Ira, because now this year is about attacking a goal, and it doesn't seem far-fetched that Florida State can defend its ACC crown after all these additions that they've made. Yeah, and I think if you look at some of the, the portal departures kind of in the last few weeks or really last month probably, um, I think you probably can see signs that they knew how well – 
they were going to do in the portal because, you know, a couple of guys who um, were torn between going and, and staying, a couple of the older defensive linemen, Malcolm Ray and and uh, Dennis Briggs, I'm not saying they were pushed out, but maybe Florida State didn't push real hard to keep them. Malcolm Ray ends up going to Rutgers. Dennis Briggs is trying to get his seventh year. Um, but those are two guys who, um, you know, maybe if Florida State didn't feel good about what they're bringing in, maybe they push harder. Um, you know, you, again, you look at r- running back. Rodney Hill was a guy that a lot of people really liked and were sad when he left and thought that was a bad sign when he left. Well, I don't know if you watch this kid from Alabama who's a grown man, uh, I don't know that you're going to think that yeah. Rodney Hill would have been better next year than he will be. So, you know, again, I, I, I'm i not saying they push guys out, but they may have not pushed um, to keep some, certain players because of what else, you know, they thought they might have coming. We're going to talk about that a little bit next. That, that's This is where it gets really fun. It, it's almost like um, a fantasy football type thing when, when you put together, you know, a couple few dozen players and they come in on campus and, and you're starting to see what Florida State is bringing to the table. Before we do that, though, State Farm agent Russ Forhis is as diehard of a knoll as there is, and he's one of the original supporters of us at Warchant.com, now at Warchant TV as well. He's done everything Iron, uh, from supporting the Smash to the website uh, to the proceedings of Florida State suing the ACC. Like He's involved. He wants to be involved, and you can involve yourself with State Farm agent Russ Forhis if you live in the state of Florida, the state of Georgia, the state of Alabama. You see the website below, RussForhis.com. For those of you listening on the podcast, R-U-S-S-V-O-R-H-I-S.com. He's got brick-and-mortar operations in Jacksonville Beach and Orange Park. And Ira, if you want to support a knoll, like this is the exact type of person that that you know, you're know you thinking of in your mind as a Florida State fan saying, who owns a business who's a knoll? Uh, the biggest knoll I know, quite literally, in physical ah. stature and passion is, uh, is Russ Forrest. Yeah, and if you get him this week, he'll be in a much better mood than he was last week. Last week, yeah. texted me a little bit. He was on vacation for a few days and uh, – uh, basically was, I think he's th- suggested maybe throwing his phone in the water. Um, but now he's got to be buoyed. He's got to be fired up starting the new year. Got Mike Norvell on staff and uh, everything's moving forward. So, uh, give Russ a call and his staff does a great job as well. So, and you can check out their website, as Tom said, and get information that way. Joel Davis saying, screw you, go Jags. Thank you again for another contribution though, Joel. It's, it's very kind. Um, so Joel's in a good mood too. I saw him at the basketball game, uh, the other night and, uh, He's fired up, man. He's, the Knowles are starting to win some basketball games, and uh, he he sat there uh, near courtside for some of these ugly losses. So I think he's he's in a good mood too. Four in a row for Florida State, and they're battling Ira. I know they they might not be playing you know top ten teams back to back to back, but I mean, you just it's different. This is different than the last couple of years. Clearly, it's fun to watch, and they take on a, a familiar friend in uh, Matthew Cleveland this week uh, when they take on, on Wednesday Miami. night. Yeah. Wednesday night down in Coral Gables. Z-Chan, thank you very much. So in your minds, how has the win-loss ceiling changed after this Portal High School class so far? We've kind of discussed that, uh, but Ira, I think it's worth it probably two to three in terms yeah. of the potential. W- would you agree with that? Yeah, easily. I mean, I thought um, before, again, starting with DJ, before DJ, I thought seven and five, eight and four is probably things went pretty well for you, unless you got a better quarterback that we didn't know might be out there, a more experienced quarterback, but they did that. And then you have these other pieces, and then you look at that schedule. Really, the two games, if you look at that schedule for next year, the two games that I think are going to be great games and they're going to be huge wins if you can get them are going to be at Notre Dame and at Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, you get Flor- you know, Florida, I don't think it's going to be very good at all, and you get them at home. They do have a good quarterback, but you get them at home. Um, I don't see you losing to SMU. I don't see you losing um, to Clemson at home. 
I, I just think Florida State's in a great shape. Those two road games, and Miami is really going to be important when that game is played. If it's early in the year and they've got Cam Ward, you don't know what that offense is going to look like. That could be a dicey game down there, um, and you're going to be getting used to what you have with this new new team. If it's later in the year, usually uh, Miami's pretty gettable <laughs> at, at that point, so so we'll see. But uh, but no, at Notre Dame's going to be a tough game too, especially if it's late in the year with the weather. Pretty gettable. That's kind. That's very kind yeah. of you. Ira's so usually pretty gettable. <laughs> I think if, if we did this show last Friday, I don't know that Ira would say it, it might be a little bit more harsh, but everybody's kind of like smiling right now. It's a great time to be an old 15 seconds from State Farm agent Russ Voorhis. We're going to talk Florida State football 2024 on the other side. Contact Russ Boris for an auto quote today. We're going to take your questions in just a moment and then followed uh, by those questions. We're going to be talking to Bob Davis. This is an interview that we conducted um, yesterday. Actually, the days, they all blend together, Ira, but we uh, conducted an interview with co-founder of Rising Spear, Bob Davis. I'll have Ira introduce that a little bit uh, as it's coming up. Rising Spear has been in the news, but uh, there's... You should get some questions answered, some basic questions to have a better context and grasp of the situation that happened uh, last week. But uh, Ira, this is where it gets really fun, because if you look at the the body types that Florida State has brought in, and you're right, Roydale Williams runs a certain kind of way, and so does um, Kaziah Holmes here already on campus for Florida State. And DJU is not five foot eight, 160 pounds. He's quite the opposite. And you see that Florida State's brought in 650 pounds of offensive lineman beef in the last week. It looks like Florida State's trying to play a little bit more bully ball in 2024. And that's really fun to think about. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think it's, I, I mean, this is going to sound like, you know, sour grapes or whatever or Pollyanna, but I actually, I think they come out better with DJ Uyungle than they would have with Cam Ward. I personally, I just think the one thing I love about DJU is, if guys don't turn the ball over, you at least know what you're dealing with. Even if a guy's not has limitations, even if he's not the best passer in the world, if he's not whatever, if he doesn't turn the ball over, at least you know what you got. Cam Ward turned the ball over a lot. And you can't coach around that because you don't know when that's going to happen. So it could happen at your end of the field. It could happen in the red zone. DJ's done a pretty good job. If you look at the last two years, I think he's got like 40-something touchdowns, 14 interceptions. You'd like to see the interceptions come down a little bit. But if you're averaging twenty something touchdowns and seven interceptions, which he has the last two years, I think that's not bad. You can you can coach with that. You can you know what you're getting. So I think that was a you know just a huge addition. And um, you know again and like you said, the power running game. What'll be interesting is so much this past season was made about Jordan not using his legs, and I always felt like a big reason was it was a coach's decision. I just think they didn't want to take any chances with Jordan. DJ is a little bit different, dude. I mean, that that guy, he's going to be bigger than, you know, any, any linebacker uh, and a lot of the defensive ends that are trying to tackle him. So you're going to you're going to be a little bit more aggressive, uh, him running the ball in those short yardage situations. And then you said you got power backs as well. So that's exciting. Um, one of the things that happened last year was strange. I think some of it was coverage because of respect for Keon Coleman and respect for Johnny Wilson. But uh, the production of the deep ball. You know, it, it had dropped in terms of yards per attempt, accuracy, all that kind of stuff. And and it was it was a big part of Jordan's game entering last season and, and less so. The offense had to evolve a little bit. I, I think the deep ball is coming back because Florida State also has invested a lot in speed. And I think they're trying to challenge D, DJ 
to see if he can overthrow some of these dudes because they've got track burners, a couple of them, Malik Benson being one, Jalen Brown another, but a healthy Destin Hill is in the fold and some of the receivers that they brought in. This It could be power up front when they want to run the ball, but then it's this, all right, DJU, how far can you chuck it? Because we've got guys who can run underneath it. Well, you know he can chuck it. I mean, the dude has a huge arm. Yeah. Um, so that it's going to be fun to watch, man. That's going to be spring is going to be fun. Preseason camp's going to be fun because again, the thing about Mike Norvell, one of the many things I think we like about Mike Norvell is he's not going to just say this is my offense. You got to fit in it. He's going to build his offense around what they have and what they have a quarterback is a huge part of that, but also what they have in the offensive line and also what they have at the skill players. So yeah, this this offense may not look the production may be similar. But the 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 what the way you get there may look a lot different in 2024 compared to what we saw last year or really any time since Norvell's been here. So uh, to answer this from uh, Swangler Tisdale, how do you guys feel about Cam Ward flip? You've d- you've discussed this a little bit. Ira. I agree. Like the higher the highs are going to be higher with Cam, but the lows are going to be lower, and it's more unpredictable. I mean, when you've got more than a dozen fumbles in a given season, that's killer. That's killer. Now DJ, you will have moments where. He'll miss open dudes, but he's not hitting somebody else in the chest. You know, that's what he's proven. Uh, so I think DJ is going to be more of a stable force. And for Florida State right now as a program, I, I think they could use that. There's a lot of turnover. It's nice to have a steady veteran hand in a moment like this, not just for that quarterback room, but again, for the, the skill positions, for maybe some of the offensive line turnover that's coming. We'll see. But, you know, Florida State could be kind of young at a lot of different positions where you want a guy who's played over 40 games in his career. Yeah, I agree 100%. Especially, yeah, no, I couldn't say it better. As far as the flip, though, goes, man, you know, it makes Miami obviously much more dangerous. Um, and they're going to be a good football team. They have a lot of talent. They've recruited well. He did well in the portal. They have talent. And now you have a, an experienced athletic playmaking quarterback that can can really make things go. So they're going to be formidable. Um, and it's not surprising, though. Like, I, I didn't know what they were going to do. And everybody was clowning him for getting the kid with the funny name out of Albany. I didn't feel like that was going to be the end of it. They've invested so much money into to Mario Cristobal, into that program through NIL and resources. I, it just seemed impossible that they were just going to ride into next season without a sure thing at quarterback. So I think Cam Ward and his dad were smart to keep listening. And uh, I, I would love to have a piece of whatever he ended up uh, he's getting because uh, – and I'm not I'm – not, picking on that at all they they had to and uh and it's good for him and i think it'll be good for them jeremy thank you very much for the contribution uh, he's asking your personal opinion so ira you were hearing what you were hearing on thursday late last week when it comes to coach norvell did you think that uh new coaching hot boards and articles and all kinds of stuff would be following on friday for us would that be uh our weekend or did you think eh, this is part of the negotiation process Gene, Matt, and I had already put together a hot board, so we we were we were at least far enough down that road that we were gonna we were gonna be able to publish that pretty quickly. Gene, Gene had that. Um, I you know I think um I there were a couple times Thursday, late Thursday afternoon, just from what I was hearing from different people about how upset they were, not upset, not mad, but just feeling like oh crap, this is actually gonna happen. Um, that I thought, man, they're gonna lose him. I really thought they were gonna lose him by the end of the night Thursday. The fact that it hadn't happened yet made me think, okay, well this, you know, they're still in it. Um, but then, you know, you hear from other people who are like, yeah, there's, it's, this is not going the way you want. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Friday morning, it turns around. So I, I, I think it, if you check me at like seven, six or seven o'clock on Thursday, 
and I posted on our boards and our updates in the tribal council, probably about four in the afternoon or four or five. I said, I've heard from a couple of different people who are very, very concerned right now. And somebody, you know, one of the responses was like, why would you say that if you don't know what's going to happen? I'm just telling you, they're very, very concerned. Yeah. And it, and it, and it kind of continued the fact that he didn't pull the trigger that night, made me feel a little bit better. And then obviously it happened Friday. Yeah, I've got, I mean, my whole thought was it's part of the negotiation process. We're going to know at that time on Thursday, Jeremy, we're going to know Mike Norvell's true goals and his true priorities here pretty soon. But I, I didn't think it was all a bluff either. So and I'm just glad it turned out the way it did. And I selfishly, I'm glad it turned out the way it did in the noon hour, because if it happened at three 30 after tap dancing for two hours on the JCS saying, we don't know, we don't know. That would have been awful. Would have been awful. Uh, let's see. So Jane wants to know, when do we hear something about the lawsuit? The courts kind of take their own time, right? Ira, do you have any idea? Yeah. 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 I think that for, you know, and again, talking to attorneys, you know, if you talk to attorneys about if this actually happens through the law, like through the legal process, the way a normal lawsuit would go, if, if, if we were suing some other company, I mean, you're talking, it could take years. I mean, these are not quickly resolved things. I don't think this is going to go that far because I think they're going to, come to sort of at some point come to some sort of mediation. Yeah. So I think we'll, we'll probably hear some movement in the, in the coming months, maybe in the coming weeks. Um, but it won't be the lawsuit going through the courts. I mean, that, that can take forever. Eric wants to know, are we good at safety? So a few of the names, Earl Little, I think might figure into that rotation. Ira Shaheen Brown, of course, is going to be back. Conrad Hussey got some run this year and they've got some younger uh, players as well who might fit into that mix. Do you think that they're good with what they have at that particular position? I think they're get. Yeah, I think they're getting there. I do. Um, I really like, um, you know, I mean, I love Shaheem. Uh, I think Shaheem, I think Shaheem and Azaria Thomas coming back next year's redshirt juniors are going to be excellent. Um, I think they're going to play at a super high level. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I think Earl Little, if you watch him physically and if you watch, you know, his high school tape, I think he could, walk right in there and play at a high level. Conrad Hussey, we loved him last year. Edwin Joseph came in as a nickelback last year. I think there's a chance he ended up getting hurt. It wouldn't shock me if they cross-trained him a little bit. Um, So, yeah, they got options. There's other guys I'm not mentioning. I think KJ Kirkland was impressive as a freshman. Um, So the good thing is, I mean, you've got Shaheem and you've got Greedy Vance in the secondary. You've got some really nice older pieces, and now it's you you can take all of spring and preseason to figure out who those last one or two pieces are going to be. And uh, I think you got really good depth there. So I think, yeah, I think they're going to be good. What about you? Yeah, I I agree. This is the way camp kind of normally is. Last year was an exception with all the retention. You know, this is, there are going to be some open position battles. We saw that there was a difference when Akeem Dent was not on the field versus when he was on the field, but they got Conrad Hussey, a ton of experience iron. I didn't expect that because if I recall correctly, he was a, he was a summer enrollee, not an early enrollee. So like that was, yeah. That's a fast rise, and so we'll be. I'll be interested to see how it battles out, but I wouldn't be surprised. The cross-training is uh, the task of the spring to see some guys that might be slot corners, vice versa, take a look at safety. They like to do yeah. that. Right. Now, on that note, again, if you think back to Shaheem Brown, who I think we all like a lot, he didn't play as a, as a, he didn't play as a freshman. He played a little bit in a couple games here there, but really not at all, way less than Conrad Hussey did. And part of the reason was, was you know, they didn't need him necessarily – you still had Jamie and Akeem Dent and, and and some other options there. But, you know, Adam Fuller said man, that there's a lot going on at safety in our defense between all the communication, all the all – the, I think a big part of it is just the communication. You see them communicating from the time they get on the field till the ball is snapped. 
those defensive backs and, and, and linebackers are all communicating. And I think if you have a young guy out there that leads to pro- problems, which we saw uh, at times this year, but, but yeah, Conrad Hussey's got all the talent in the world, the impact, the hits he had, um, you know, the force and fumbles. And I mean, I, yeah, that kid's going to be really, really good. Demetrius wants to know now that we got our linebacker, what's the next position of need in the portal? Is there something you're circling Ira? Uh, to me, you can add more at different positions like linebacker, defensive tackle. I mean, all, you know, you, if they find an offensive lineman they like, I'm sure that they could go and bring in another body for the competition. But is there any position that you're circling and saying, yeah, I'd like to see them get another one of these? Good question. I, yeah, I don't know that there's anything I think that they're struggling with. I was kind of, I'll be honest with you. I was a little surprised. Ventrell Cypress came back, uh, yeah. announced recently with Battles End. He's coming back as well. So, again, I mean, he's not – he wasn't, you know, Dion or whatever people thought they were going to get out of a guy who was rated as highly as he was at Virginia. But he was a solid, really solid college cornerback. They had a good year. Um, offensive line, I can't – I'd be surprised if they take much more there. Yeah. Um, I think you're good at running back. I think you're good at receiver. Maybe if you wanted to, an embarrassment, you know, of riches and kind of go, get, if there's another receiver comes open. Yeah. I don't know. I, nothing really comes to mind. I'm sure they'll probably get at least one more player or one or two more people in the spring based on what's available, but I don't think there's any glaring needs. I agree. And, and somewhat, uh, you know, it's, it's a fluid process at all times. The right. It depends. There, there are a couple of guys that could, you know, we don't know, could leave. Correct. And yeah. if that happens, then that creates a need and that can happen yeah. out of spring too. So, you know, right. this is, we'll see, but for right now, nice job guys, 14 players out of the portal. That's uh that's doing some work. Florida man in Texas says, can we get a ruling? Is it roll tribe or Noel tide? I think I said Noel tide on the, uh, on the recruit reaction video with Michael. Um, but roll tribe was, I think the shirt that everybody right. wore for the game in Jacksonville, the Dakota fag, uh, runs down the sideline, looks at the scoreboard, went over Nick Saban for Bobby. Could, Bowden. Was it that one or was it the other one? It might've been that one. It might've been, or, or both. It could have been both. Um, I definitely, yeah. I had a shirt that said roll tribe okay. for that particular one. Cause I was a student. So I, you know, that's way back in the day, but what do you think, Ira? What's your ruling? Roll tribe, <laughs> roll tide. I've always thought of Roll Tribe, but I thought Noel's Tide was good too. And they, but the cool thing is they both work in this situation where you're rolling mm-hmm. and the tide is turning, and uh, you know everything's going really well for Florida State. So um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's been it's it's you could go with either one, but uh, but it's it's certainly a fun time. I'll go with Noel Tide, but we'll see. We'll see if uh, maybe Florida State brings in another two or three uh, Alabama players, and we'll really get to work on that. Because I think I think Matt went with Roll Tribe in the headline for the story. He did, he yeah. did. So well, tiebreaker, tiebreaker goes to Roll Tribe. Seth would love to see the hot board. All right, Ira, how many names did you put on the hot board, and how high was Jimbo on your list? I mean, that was it. That was my whole hot board. Um, yeah, no, uh, I think it was a it was a good combination. Um, you know, Gene's Gene sent me a few. I sent him a few. We had Matt kind of compile the bios. Um, and, you know, man, I, I texted with a friend uh, earlier today or last night about that topic. And and uh, and they, they they sent me a list. And it was, I mean, five or six of the seven were were, were ones you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nothing, nothing crazy. One I did think um, that was interesting was, uh, you know, just from talking to somebody um, who, was, who had information about the, the last time they had a cook. Well, not even the last time. Yeah, I guess it was the last time. The time Mark Stoops was up for the job. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Mark Stoops pulled his name out. And I had heard some things afterwards where I felt like Mark Stoops didn't, I don't know, that maybe he thought he was big time and he was demanding too much or whatever. Um, 
he was demanding a lot, but I talked to somebody recently who told me, no, I think Mark Stoops would have taken it then if we offered it. And I think he would take it now. Mm -hmm. So he was one that Gene wanted on the list. And originally I was going to push back on, um, but, but we might've, might've had him in there. I always thought he would be a solid hire, but I'm glad we'll never know because I think Mike is Mike is most certainly a, a very good hire uh, for Florida State. So we're going to pivot to an interview, Ira, that we conducted yesterday that we did with Bob Davis, the co-founder of Rising Spear. Obviously, Rising Spear has made the news in the last week. But you know, for those of you that aren't very familiar with you know the NIL collective scene, maybe that's not your world that, that you operate in. Yeah, the Battle Zen's the most famous one because they handle all of the football players. In fact, they also do men's golf as well. But Rising Spear from the inception worked with football initially, but they've always had a, a nonprofit element to what they do in terms of community service and things like that. Uh, in addition to the pre battles end, there was like a wing that was very much like the battles end before it broke off, but just uh, some context, Ira, before we, we run the interview, is there anything that you want to set up here uh, as we spoke to Bob Davis for over about 10 minutes here? Yeah. You know, I just think it was, it, we, you know, I reached out to him, because, you know, I saw some of the things that were being said about Rising Spear. There were a lot of questions. When the NCAA uh, investigation came out last week and it was announced that uh, Florida State was going to have some penalties based on a situation that happened with an employee of Rising Spear almost two years ago. Um, you know, there were questions about, okay, does this mean Rising Spear can't go on? Does this mean uh, any of the staff were, were part of the investigation? How did this all happen? Um, so we just really wanted – I just reached out to him on, on – I guess Friday or Saturday. And I just said, Hey, would you want to come on one of our shows and just answer questions about what you know about what happened and what's more, more importantly, what's going on from here? Because one of the questions we had a lot on our website was, am I, if I've given to rising spear in the past, cause I want to support basketball or I want to support baseball uh, or any of the other sports that are non-football. Um, can I still do that? Should I still do that? And the answer is yes. Bob Davis talks about that, but he also talks about, you know, the situation and kind of, their their role it's kind of you know it's, you know again I, I just think it's unfortunate what happened happened they got, are getting penalized for it Florida State's getting penalized for it that all it needs to happen there's I'm, I'm not saying it's bad but when you look at the landscape of what's happening in college sports the fact that they got popped the way they operate and some of the things we talk about in the video is just some of the things that they do for community and and for these young athletes um, it's unfortunate. So just want to give him a chance to kind of say whatever he wanted to say. And I, I thought it was a good conversation. For those of you that think that NIL should serve a common good on top of the fact that players perhaps should capitalize on their name, image, and likeness, I think your vision, and you judge for yourself out there, but your vision will align with what you hear from Bob Davis. This first question that I asked him, it's his response to my first question, but it's dissociation's been thrown around, one-year dissociation. Bob, does this mean that rising spear is something that is not in existence anymore. And here's his answer. That's not the case at all, Tom. Um, what, what the findings were is that we were disassociated from the athletic department for the period of one year to us. And, and we haven't gotten clarification on that yet, but to us, that means we cannot contribute to, to FSU athletics. The rising spear can't um, because we were an official sponsor of Florida state athletics. But other than that, we, uh, we are entitled to operate just as we did, and our intention is to go forward just as we have to support as many student athletes as we can and make a difference in the uh, local community. We would go out to, uh, you know, the Boys and Girls Clubs or different events that you guys were hosting, and you'd have Jared Verse and 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 uh, you know Jordan Travis and those guys playing with kids, and and it was a way to supplement them because again, it, things have moved so fa fast that it's like we've forgotten kind of where things were. 
when NIL was introduced, athletes couldn't make any money outside Correct. of their scholarships. They couldn't, um, you know, go have a free dinner. They couldn't endorse a restaurant. They couldn't do any of those things. So it was, it was almost like what you guys started doing in the origin, the original, uh, I guess, NIL ideas were kind of in the lines with what people thought it was going to be. And then it kind of went into a different place. And it feels like this whole case was kind of something kind of in the middle of that. It seems like, uh, and you can tell me over the last year or so, have you guys kind of found your mission and what you got, what, what your place is in the NIL space, or do you feel like it's continually evolving? Well, I think it will continually evolve just because they're going to come out with more and more regulations. We'll see if there's any national legislation that makes it fair um, for every school in the country, because right now there is no national legislation. So every school is governed by their state laws and um, some have no laws, some have strict laws. Florida was one of the first to adopt the laws and ours were probably stricter than most states. So we've had to amend them. So um, I think that, that my business partner and I are, are comfortable with what we're doing. I think we're making a difference. And, and Ira, you mentioned going out to the Boys and Girls Clubs. And I can remember the very first time going out there because I was the only Rising Spear person in Tallahassee. Um, and we had, as you said, Jared Verse and, and Jordan Travis and uh, you know, just a bunch of well-known kids out there. And um, that night I got a call from one of them and, and it was, Mr. Davis, I just want to call and thank you for allowing me to go out to the Boys and Girls Club today. Um, four years ago, I was one of those kids. And I think today I might have made the difference in somebody's life. And you know, to me, that's exactly what we wanted to happen. Um, it's grown the student athlete, it's benefited the community, and um, we're not interested in making um, student athletes uh, rich people. We're, we're interested in growing, helping student athletes grow as, as young men and women, as well as the community benefiting from their presence in our community. Can you talk a little bit about Rising Spear and, and kind of the evolution, as you mentioned, when you first started, uh, it was basically you and your, and your partner, and, and you really didn't have a lot of uh, support or help. And, and how has the, the um, organization grown? And how many, I think you mentioned over 100 athletes. If you could just speak a little bit specifically about what Rising Spear is today. Sure. I served as national chairman of the board of the Seminole Boosters for two years. And my business partner um, was on my executive committee uh, as well. And we would sit in those executive committee meetings and talk about what this NIL creature was going to be, what it looked like, and is anybody at FSU going to get involved in that uh, or, or related to FSU? And nobody seemed to be doing it. So we were encouraged and we talked to each other and we just decided nobody's doing it. Um, we love FSU and um, let's do this. So we did. We started um, Rising Spear, engaged a local law firm to help us with all the documents and incorporation papers and nonprofit stuff. And um, got it going, had to go through compliance with FSU because um, we had used some names or were proposing some names that they didn't like. They thought it was associating with Florida State and they didn't think that was legal at the time. Um, then we did the logo thing and, and it had some spears and things in it that they thought were too much like the markings of Florida State. So we went through several gyrations of that. 
Um, and then we finally got it all together. And, you know, just at the beginning of 2022, we we made our first deposit in the bank and we were up and operating and um, making a difference. And, you know, we've got, we had only one employee that we got in the spring of 2022 um, because he was, um, somebody on our board had told us he was a very avid FSU fan and wanted to get involved in this space. And we spoke with him and um, gave him a position to start reaching out to um, donors and corporate sponsors to try to increase our revenues so we could uh, increase the number of student athletes and community involvement that we could do. And so that's how it all started. Um, it's since grown into um, several employees and um, probably eight or nine interns that most of which have come from the um, graduate school of uh, sports management. And, um, you know, they're all dedicated. They all love what they do. They love getting out with the student athletes and being out in the community. And it's, you know, it's exactly what we wanted and envisioned it to be. I was going to say on that topic though. So you, when you got into this and Bob, I mean, you know, people are watching this. I don't know what people's visions are of the NIL world. Um, I don't know that you're the vision of what people think of the, the, the what's going on in the NIL space right now. Um, so do you, and then what happened this past week and, and, and you, you know, now the rising spears kind of at the middle of this first NCAA investigation. And, and, and as you said, you know, you guys, nobody that's part of it now was part of that situation. Um, I don't have any misgivings about being in the space or do you still committed to you personally being in this space and, and, and what you guys are doing? Uh, no misgivings at all, Ira. What we're doing is exactly what we wanted to do. And as I said, I, I don't know of an organization that hasn't had some kind of issue to deal with. Uh, and we dealt with that. And, and I think we did the proper thing in dealing with it. It has not changed our focus. It has not changed um, anything. Um, and until Thursday evening, um, you know, we weren't even aware there was an issue. So this is all new to us. And, um, you know, we will deal with the negative publicity that we've received and try to overcome it by just being open and honest with everybody. The discussions that you have with the student athletes themselves, those that you've been, and you've mentioned, uh, you know, one of the initial events and getting a phone call about the boys and girls club, but I'm talking about the evolution into the different sports that rising spear now supports. What are you hearing from those student athletes specifically? Well, Tom, I, you know, I, I haven't gotten a negative comment from any student athlete about what we're doing and what we're getting them involved in, only positive. Um, a tremendous amount of positive feedback from the various coaching staffs. And, and let me say that um, FSU's entire coaching staff is truly focused in the right way. I mean, I've gotten to know them. I flew to Memphis to pick up Coach Norvell when he was hired. And I can tell you that every single coach that I've dealt with they, their primary focus is um, helping these student athletes grow, develop, become citizens. And you don't see that at all universities. There's a lot of places that it, it's all about winning. Um, and our fan base loves to win. But I can tell you, um, there's not a coach on our staff that that isn't doing everything they can to properly develop these kids. They're thankful for what we're doing, particularly in the non uh, or in the Olympic sports, because these, these kids wouldn't get the opportunity otherwise. And um, we're just proud and, and, and we're proud that we're doing what we're doing and we'll continue to do it. 
Bob, I, I appreciate you really, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And I know that this has been a difficult, uh, you know, 30, 72 hours, uh, or I guess a week now at this point where, um, you know, having to deal with this publicly, but then also answer the questions. And there's so many rumors swirling around. And, and the question I got more than anything is, as Tom said from the beginning is, you know, is Rising Spear still active? Are they still going to be helping student athletes? Should we still be giving money to Rising Spear and contributing to those causes if we believe in them? Um, so I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. Um, is there anything else, you, you know, you wanted to say that we didn't bring up or, or um, uh, just any closing comments, I guess, to, to Florida State fans? Yeah, Ira, let me just address the about the negative comments we've received in social media. Um, Rising Spear, and I can say this um, under oath if I need to, however I need to say it, Rising Spear um, never met, was never asked to meet with the NCAA. Um, the athletic department did not meet with us. They did not inform us of what was going on because they were advised not to. Um, and my understanding is that the NCAA reached out to uh, the booster um, and he did not return their phone calls or communicate with them. So, you know, Rising Spear is, we're discouraged that, A, we didn't know all this was going on until Thursday night when the public learned it was all going on. We got no advance notice at all. Um, and I, I, I spelled out in, in a memo exactly what I think happened, and I think we handled it the right way. I can't speak about what the coaching staff did or anybody else did, but um, again, I'm proud of Rising Spear. I'm proud of everything we've done. And, you know, we faced, we faced a problem and we dealt with it and we continued on and we're helping student athletes and the community. Bob, thank you very much for your time and continued success with uh, Rising Spear. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ira. Thanks, Bob. So there was Bob Davis, the co-founder of Rising Spear. And uh, Ira, your thoughts, you know, obviously you live the interview, but then you consume the interview just like everybody does on the chat. Uh, what are some things that stood out to you and uh, some highlights? Yeah, I don't know if I uh, said one of my questions right. What I was getting at was I don't know what the vision of NIL operators are. You know, when NIL has become, when you hear about these million-dollar contracts and you get these visions of some of these NIL operators is like, these wheelers and dealers and, you know, you know, Jerry Maguire or whatever, you know, like these college agents. And here's Bob Davis who looks like somebody's grandfather. And in fact, when we were finished the interview, he said he was going to his granddaughter's one-year-old birthday party. So I just thought the fact that the NCAA has come after an NIL group, their first big investigation. And this is the group that they went after that does boys and girls clubs activities anyway, regardless. Um, No, I think the, uh, I think, you know, I'm glad he did it. Um, I didn't know if he would, you know, like when I texted him, I just, you know, just like, look, you know, if you want to talk and he jumped right at it and was happy to do it. And he didn't ask us to not bring up anything. He didn't, you know, I mean, I'm sure he sees us as friendly faces. He knows us, but um, you know, I'm I'm glad he did it. I think it was helpful. Hopefully. Yeah. I saw a question in the chat from Sterling and says, this is the guy that worked with the NCAA. I mean, he says he, He'd go under oath if if you <laughs> yeah. needed to, uh, that there was no contact with the NCAA. And, and that was part of the reason, you know, I wanted to do it. It was because, um, you know, it's, social media goes crazy with somebody says something and it's a fact. And I think there were some people that thought that, you know, the Rising Spear turned them in or that he did it or whatever, whatever was out there. I don't, I don't want to get into, but um, yeah, he's 
again, we have him on video and he says he'll go under oath saying that they, they clearly didn't turn Florida state in. He didn't have anything to do with that. They never talked to the NCAA and really it sounds like nobody involved or anybody that's ever worked for them has ever talked to the NCAA. And that's the challenge for a group like the NCAA is they don't have subpoena power. Mm -hmm. And so that's why a lot of times cases go to another level and the NCAA people get frustrated when they don't enforce something. Sometimes it's hard for them to get the information. This was a situation where the student athlete involved, it sounds like they were very forthcoming and told everything that they wanted to tell. And that's kind of what led to the sanctions. But, you know, the NCAA can't make anybody come talk to them unless you're a school employee or a coach or something like that. Um, it's different if you're out there in the world. So anyway, um, yeah, I don't Sterling. Uh, I don't, I think that's out there on the internet. It's out there on social media. I would say the fact that he came on camera to say that tells you, uh, I believe him that, uh, they didn't do that. Yeah. The thing I'd say is, you know, everybody judge for yourself in, in situations of whether or not you want to contribute to a collective in the first place or, or anything thereof. But, you know, in, in terms of organizations, uh, rising spear from the word go, Ira has always had that garnet option where it's it's all about, you know, funding. Uh, yes, name, image and likeness, but players actually, you know, using that uh, opportunity to get out in the community and, and make the community better. So to help to help nonprofit organizations and things like that, that's how they can stay nonprofit. The other um, again, yeah, just while we're on this topic, though, because it always feels like and one of the things that happens all the time with when rising spear and battles End, you have two collectives that there kind of becomes this, you should give to battles End or you should give to rising spear battles End is football and men's golf, as you said. So yeah, if you only care about football, then yeah, man, battles End is your place. If you do care about some of those other sports and in, in Florida state's got a tremendous athletic program with 20 different sports they're at, and they're going to be adding, I think women's look, lacrosse i think yeah, they're adding yeah um so jim gonna, phillips uh, jim phillips i'm surprised was uh he should have been there you know for the, for the yeah, ribbon but, he, cutting, but yeah, yeah they're gonna have 21 sports and so there's a lot of other student athletes that need support as well and your your dollars go a long way if you help them as well and, and so um yeah i think florida state's lucky you know i mean you think yeah. about i mean they just had this situation which is unfortunate but in general i think you've got two really positive nil groups with clearly defined missions trying to do whatever they can to help the athletic program and I will say to, uh, you know, Ingram and Bob uh, or vice versa, however you want to order it, you know, they, they like each other in terms of they the work together. Yeah. That they work together. This isn't one of these things where it's competing for your dollar. They operate in different spaces and they, they root on each other. So uh, make your choices uh, on, on if you want to continue uh, support of the Battles End or Rising Spear into 2024. But Rising Spear is up and running. That's that's yeah. one of the, the bottom lines here. Ira, coming up on the website this week and coming up on the channel, just wondering some of the highlights now because the portal stuff is slowing down unless kids from Alabama, Washington, or I guess Arizona now uh, are interested in Florida State. But then we've got a whole heap of content uh, coming up this week on Warchant.com. Yeah, we're, you know, you obviously, like you said, the portal is going to start slowing down. So uh, Michael and Matt are already working on rec the recruiting side. Michael, Matt actually has a really good story about a couple of 2025 prospects uh, that highly touted 2025 prospects that uh, we were about to publish when uh, they got the most recent commitment from the linebacker from Alabama. So we pushed that back. It may run later tonight. Um, Matt, Michael's got some recruiting coverage coming as well. And then uh, Corey's got a piece. I think I'm going to run in the morning, uh, kind of looking at the team from a team aspect. Now the offense and then the defense after you brought in these portal additions, kind of what, what things look like earlier today. I put up a story if people haven't seen it at war chant um, looking at the teams on FSU's 2024 schedule, which uh, how they've been doing in the portal, give you an idea of uh, 
this is a I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil it a little bit, Tom. Clemson, Clemson still hasn't signed anybody out of the oh, transfer portal. Oh my goodness! Still so, so over in the transfer portal, but uh, but yeah. So th- there's plenty of content on the site, like you said. And, uh, the portal's slowing down, but there's plenty of coverage uh, going uh, over at Warchant.com. Boy, oh boy, Ira, it was just known for years that Dabo was Nick Saban's successor. How times change. I wonder if maybe he embraced the portal a little bit more. He might have had a better chance to land that job. But uh, that's another alternate universe that just doesn't exist. And hopefully, go ahead. We'll never know. Yeah, we'll never know. Yeah. Thank you to uh, everybody behind the scenes who uh, helped Bob Davis. Thank you for his appearance here on the show tonight. Director Ben behind the scenes who helped me uh, with the production of that video. He always does a great job. To our sponsor, State Farm Agent Russ Forhis. Thank you for your continued support into 2024. To all of you in the chat who sent us messages, whether you contributed like Joel Davis did or Z Chan or Jeremy Seth in Florida Man in Texas, thank you to those individuals. But thank you for asking the questions like Jane and Eric and Robert and Demetrius and everybody out there. We appreciate your support of Warchant.com and Warchant TV. If you wouldn't mind hitting the like button on the way out, subscribing to Warchant TV, it's absolutely free. We'll have more content for you throughout the week on the channel as well. Uh, for Ira, I'm Tom. Go Bucks! Yeah, I'm going to editorialize. Go Bucks! Let's see if we can uh, pull off a win tonight and fire the cannons. Uh, good night, everybody. This has been Monday Smash, presented by State Farm Rush, uh, State Farm Agent Russ Voorhis on Warchant TV. <laughs>